This is episode two of the English Speak Easy podcast, a podcast to help you practice your conversational English listening and speaking skills. I'm Michael. I'm an English teacher, podcaster, and the co-founder of Lang Club, a social English community where people from all around the world gather to practice their English conversation. Visit langclub.live. I'm Clara Tear. I'm an English teacher, journalist, and podcaster. I'm doomed to keep learning all my life. As a bilingual person, I have started my podcast, The British Whisperer, a podcast about the right news for English learners in Italy to help them dissecting the latest news and stories from international newspapers. You can go to the website, thebritishwhisperer.com, to find all the info about it. The English Speakeasy podcast is a podcast where you can listen to real English conversations about a weekly topic in order to improve your listening and speaking skills. But first, before we get into that, let's catch up. Is there anything interesting going on over there? <laughs> yeah, <week>? absolutely. <laughs> This was the weekend of the coronation of, of Charles III uh, in Britain. So yes, of course. <laughs> it was a big, big focus on that. Of course, you know, all the newspapers were uh, catching on about that, you know, oh, front sure. pages, but not just, not just in UK. Uh, honestly, I have been following the newspapers uh, of other countries, Italy, of course, but also newspapers from all over the world and uh, Spain, Germany, France. Everyone was covering, of course, the event and maybe with some yeah. more details on, you know, just the Harry's presence or. Yeah, the drama, yes, between Harry and uh, the the royal family. Um, and so, yeah, that was maybe something more juicy to talk about. <laughs> right. Well, of course, we in the U.S. are you know enamored with the royal family and just obsessed with them, specifically the drama of them all. You know, during both of the royal weddings in recent years, it's just been a huge deal. Of course, everywhere, even in the U.S. So there's just something about it. But uh, yeah. I mean, Even here in Thailand, people have been talking about the coronation. Yeah, it's, it's been, been a big it's deal. It's been very, very popular, of course, expected. Uh, you know, there was, there was uh, a lot of people uh, also connecting to see it live. And uh, I think that there was, mm -hmm. um, uh, honestly, I have to say, uh, there was a good reception also in UK, meaning, uh, you know, many were mm -hmm. skeptic that there would be a, a big turnout of people um, considering the popularity of uh, the Queen, the, la the late Queen. But uh, I have to say that uh, right. everything went well, apart from the rain pouring down. <laughs> well, <laughs> not much you and can that, do about that. that. That's, part, that's part of being British, after all. So, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, nothing, nothing quite as exciting here, I'm afraid. Uh, just mm. terrible weather. It's been oh, very wow. hot. Um, you know, here in, in Thailand, it's been, gosh, today it was, um, oh, like 40 oh degrees my. today. Oh, it's miserable. It's 31 degrees outside right now and it's 11 o'clock at night. So it's, you know, it's, it's very hot. It's oppressive. Honestly, I've done very little. I've stayed inside. I've kept my aircon running. I'm not going out in this. Is it's, it's awful right typical, now. Typical, uh, so hot there or? Not this hot. Now, this is the hottest oh, part see. of the year. So April and May are the hottest part of the year. But there's just a weird, um, they call it like a heat dome, a weird phenomenon where right now the heat is just kind of getting trapped over the city. And it's just really, really humid and hot. In the summertime, it can get up to, you know, 34, 35 degrees. 40 is so, really but, but unusual But since last here. year, we have been experiencing a lot of heat waves in Europe as well. So I think, yes. yeah. I mean, maybe they're, they are becoming normal, which is not a big news, a nice news to, to hear. Uh, but I think right. we are all uh, on the same page on that. I mean, 
yeah, climate change is part of our reality uh, day by day. So we have yeah. to, you know, somehow, somehow, you know, just uh, get used to it. Before we play the conversation, let's go over some of the vocabulary and expressions that you will hear us use. Expat, noun, short for expatriate, a person who lives outside their native country. Enamored with, verb phrase, fascinated with something or someone. Late, as an adjective, used to refer to someone who has recently died. Oppressive heat, it's a noun phrase. Extremely hot weather that is difficult to bear. To absorb, to learn or understand new information or ideas. Subtle, adjective, not immediately obvious or noticeable. To grasp, verb, to understand or comprehend. To get by, verb phrase, to manage or survive. To stem from, verb phrase, to come from a particular source. Dialect, noun, a form of a language that is specific to a region. Aubergine, noun, a dark purple vegetable also known as an eggplant in American English. Peer, noun, a person who is equal in status to others in a group, such as a colleague or a classmate. To mitigate. Verb. To lessen or reduce the severity, seriousness, or painfulness of something. Alienating. Adjective. Causing someone to feel isolated. Monolithic. Adjective. Uniform or homogeneous in characteristics, attitudes, beliefs, or behaviors. You can review these vocabulary words and phrases on our website. Click the link in the show notes to see the article that we wrote about this episode. You can also find discussion questions related to this topic. So, um, talking about living in, in, you know, different places, we were, we were thinking yes. of talking about living as an expat, right? Right. Something that I clearly have experience with you as well. Let's just kind of talk about our backgrounds, kind of the places that we've lived. I'm from the U.S., of course. I've only ever lived in one other country, which is where I live now. That's Thailand. I came to Thailand as an English teacher a decade ago. It'll be a decade in just a few weeks. I'm about to celebrate oh, wow. my big anniversary. Um, I came for a one-year contract. Then I loved the city, loved the country, like, you know, the food, the weather, except not right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> they would always trick us to renew our contract in the middle of winter when we oh, forgot how hot it could get. Um but I ended up staying, and, and one year became ten years, and it's become home. And that's me. So, what about you? Where, uh, of where course, all have these you last, lived? Uh, you know, just uh, ten years. Uh, I have uh, I have been living here in Italy uh, since I explained before. My my parents are you know just half uh, you know Italian, half British. So my mom and my dad met in Cambridge uh, when they were both at college, and my father who is Italian, was there to study. And uh, so then they fell in love and uh, they married. But then my my dad found a job, of course, here in Italy. And so uh, my mom and dad had to, of course, you know, just uh, come come here. And that's why I have uh, I have been living here uh, for a long time, even if uh, uh, in the first years when I was at the kindergarten, I was still in Britain. And then I moved here when I was at the primary school. So that, that was a huge help for me to learn both languages, of course, you know, so English. And, and, and Italian yes. as well, which I have to confess to our, you know, just listeners that is far more difficult than learning English, guys. I imagine so. so yes. I was lucky to, you know, just learn all that when I was a kid. 
and avoiding to do it when, yes. when you are an adult, which is, of course, more challenging. Yeah, oh, so much easier. Kids, for kids absorb everything very quickly, and that's one of the advantages yeah. of being exposed to a language uh, when you are very, very little. And in Italy, I've also lived uh, in different parts of the of the country, uh, mostly in the north side. Um, I lived, uh, I lived in Torino, I lived in Milano, and I lived uh, in the Dolomites. Yeah, in a tiny little town called Brunico, which is right, uh, you know, just uh, above. Uh, the city of Bressanone, which is not far from Bolzano, which is probably the main, which is known ah, okay. um, in, in South Tyrol, right. so uh, Alto Adige. When I was working for a local company there, um, an American company that needed someone who was bilingual to, uh, you know, just get things right for their website, for their communication and socials, etc. And uh, there, the funny thing is that they speak German. That was that was a big challenge because I I studied I studied languages when I was at high school. I studied German. When you then, uh, you, you were at high school, then usually after, you know, just some years, you forget um, many, many of the things you yes. have learned. So <laughs> it was a big <laughs> of a challenge for me to, you know, just refresh everything. So I went to a German uh, school to, to practice a little bit um, the, the German. But the, 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 probably the, 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 the funnier thing is that they don't really speak the so-called Hochdeutsch there, which is the German that everyone right. knows, but they speak a local dialect. So that made it even more trickier. I, you know what? I, I can really relate to that. I actually also oh, studied cool. German when I was in school, in high school and university. And I remember one of the hardest things that ever happened was the professor put on a recording of um, some, some area in Switzerland some dialect in Switzerland, like, I have no idea what they're saying. I was getting a minor in the language. I'd been studying it. And so this dialect, it was so different from anything I had yeah. ever heard. So I, I have, uh, I have empathy for having yeah. to try to deal with the, yeah, <laughs> the dialectical Yeah, I mean, so, uh, every time I tried to use German, everyone was switching to Italian. Initially, everyone, uh, you know, talks to you in German because that's their, their mother tongue. They were, they were under the German, uh, empire there, the Austrian, uh, empire, of course. And so, and so they, they are used to, to speak as it's a first language. And so everyone turns to you speaking in German, but not the real German. So it's this dialect. So, at least, uh, you know, just maybe you can uh, try to, to communicate very briefly when you go to the supermarket or when you go to the post office, but that's the, 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 the real minimum. But if mm -hmm. you talk with someone, they immediately understand from your accent that you are a natural language speaker, local, and so they turn to Italian <laughs> immediately. Yeah, funny. So you need right. to learn the local language. I mean, that's uh, probably one of the first suggestions I would, uh, you know, just give to anyone uh, moving to another country is that to try to mm -hmm. expose yourself as much as, much as you can to the local yeah. language to grasp a little bit, you know, of it. You you told me that you are actually, uh, you know, just also being exposed to the uh, the telephone there, right? Right, and I think there's really there's two reasons for that. Number one, it just I mean it makes your life so much easier when you're able to have even yeah. basic conversations. You know, if you're able to like here in Bangkok, if I can go to the market ask for something, how much does this cost? You know, get in a taxi, give directions. It also, I think, is just, I'm a guest here in this country, and I think it's a sign of respect. Even if people around me can mostly speak English in Bangkok, I just think it's it's polite. If I'm going to make this my home, I should try to learn more about the culture, Absolutely. and a lot of that is through the language. I'm trying really hard. I've been trying hard for 10 years. It's not an easy language, and um, 
you know, even me, I, even as an English teacher, I have to admit, I'm not good at languages. It's just not my strength, even though that's what I do for a career. I'm not good at learning them myself. And Thai is difficult. It's got a different alphabet. It's a tonal language. So if you say a word oh, with God. the wrong tone, it can mean something yeah. totally different. Yeah, one of the very difficult examples is the words for <sighs> near and far. Uh, to someone like me who d- didn't grow up with a tonal language, um, they sound the same, but it's the same sounds with a different inflection on it, different tone. And so if you ask, you know, is this near? Is the store near? Can I walk there? And they say, oh, it's near or it's far. Oh, it can be very confusing. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, which is, I mean, <laughs> not, not such a subtle difference after all. So yeah, <laughs> I imagine. Right. But uh, I am trying, and I I can read the alphabet, which is great, and that's very useful. At least for you know reading signs. If I'm on a train, I can know where to you know what station to go to, something like that. I and I can communicate well enough. I can definitely get by <laughs> with what this I know. Is very good. I think yeah. I think this is part of the also the the experience of being in another country. Uh, you know, experiencing yeah. the language means also to understand the culture which is behind it. Um, I, I think here in Italy, for example, people study Latin when they are at school. Um, so I've studied Latin myself and which is similar yeah. from, from some points, uh, especially for, for the, the, the use of the cases, accusative, genitive, et cetera, to the German, uh, ones. So. Um, you have some similarities of the, of the languages in Europe and most of them are also stemming from Latin, um, which is one of the first bases here in the, in the, in, in local, in local, uh, schools in Italy and also part of the culture because of the Romans, of course. And, um, and I think right. indeed in this way, you can really understand more of the culture. Uh, of how you know just the yeah the local uh, uh, population was was uh, having some customs and habits and uh, you know how they developed you know also the local dialects because in every region for example in Italy there is a local dialect um, you know which is normal I think for every country I mean if you speak with someone from you know Scotland you probably won't understand anything if they speak very quickly and sure. just speak with a Welsh right. guy. I mean, they have totally have a different kind of, yeah, the yes. different way of speaking, the, the accent and etc. But also some local dialect uh, are very different. So in Italy, every region and every town, even if the same region has a different dialect, um, which stems, yes, wow. which stems from, you know, just this use of, uh, you know, just uh, uh, probably... Um, less cultured but more simple language that was used by the, the poor population mm-hmm. so not the literate ones of course in the past yeah ah, right and uh, that stemmed from that uh, you know just a way to communicate between one another uh, but it's quite characteristic of every of every town you visit so if for example you experience a local dialect in sicily um you probably, uh, even if you are Italian, you probably struggle to understand it because it's very, it's very difficult. And, uh, and, uh, and also if you go to, to Roma, to Roma, for example, to Rome, or if you go to, uh, you know, just Bologna, you experience a totally different dialect there, which is part of the culture. Maybe also part of the, of that, um, is the name, uh, of the dishes. Isn't it also, um, common, you know? Just how they name dishes. So maybe to learn languages also through food. Oh, absolutely. One of the first purchases I ever made when I came to Thailand, I had gone to a bookstore called Asia Books, which is an English bookstore, and I bought a set of flashcards that had common Thai dishes on it. And 
you know, there's there's a dual purpose. Number one, I was trying to learn them. Number two, if I didn't know how to say it, I could just show it to the person at the restaurant, you know. Right, and that was my earliest form before I could learn any words, right, trying to communicate that way. Because a lot of the local restaurants here don't really have a set menu. It's just they'll make whatever you ask, right? It's just a, a person with a, a wok. And if you want fried rice, you can get that. If you want a curry, you know, you can get that, a stir fry. But there's nothing really written down. So if you don't know what to order, it can be hard. So I, you know, I just started by showing those flashcards. But food absolutely is a, is a great way of connecting with wherever you are, whether you're living there or just traveling. I, I love trying local dishes wherever I go, even in my own country. You know, every state has its own state dish. It can be really fun to travel in the U.S. and try the state yeah. dishes. Too, yeah, I bet so. I mean, it's it's very it's very important as a part of the experience you get. Even if it's, if you visit another country as a tourist, I mean, try not to eat what you're supposed to eat. I mean, Italians we always complain about the uh, the way people cook pasta abroad, but honestly, I have to say yeah. they have some <laughs> right in that because. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's quite different, the taste of pasta, but also the taste of the ingredients they use here. Um, you know, like a simple pasta with tomatoes and tomato sauce is really totally different. And, um, and, and so, um, this is very um, important when you experience that. So if you really taste what is real, the real one, the original one, the one you get in the country, then you will be able to take, to, to tell the difference between, uh, uh maybe you know, a restaurant that is, uh, say, calling in itself Italian, but then the dishes, they didn't really sound as Italian. So uh, one of the one of the things, for example, that Italians were, um, you know, sometimes talking with them about food, um, when they travel, uh, they told me this funny thing is that, you know, parmigiano for them is a, is a, is a, is, a, is, a, is a, of course, you know, just yeah. a parmesan cheese. And um, uh, there is a dish, a local dish, which is called um, uh, parmigiana, uh, usually is with aubergines, um, and, and is like a sort of, um, uh, really creamy, um, pasta dish that you cook in the oven, um, with aubergines in it and, and some, um, you know, meat and some, and some cheese on it. And for them is the parmigiana. But for example, uh, in UK, uh, sometimes they cook chicken parmigiana, which is totally another thing, you know, and, and, and yeah. I heard many Italians say, but, how they could, you know, just mix up chicken with parmigiana, which is totally different, you know? <laughs> right. So that's funny because, yeah, yeah, you know, just then in every country, the recipes are changing. So that's why to know the original one might be interesting, you know. <laughs> it tells you, you know, what grows here for one, you know, what what are the common ingredients, what grows here? And, and it can teach you how do people eat for, you know, hundreds of years before we became, you know, more globalized and it is interesting and it does teach you a lot. And exactly. even how do you eat? Like in, in Thailand, people tend to eat family style. If you go out to dinner with a bunch of friends or, or family, you'll order several dishes and you'll share them all. Whereas in the US, we don't do that. We order our own dish individually for ourselves, typically, you know, and so even how you eat can be different from place to place. And it's interesting. It does tell you yeah. something about yeah, the culture Yeah, here in Italy, too. for example, it's very common to eat all together. I mean, you know, the families usually are yeah. gathering. It's one of, I would say, one of those probably more um, important aspects of being a family is to have at least one meal together a day. 
even if you work, of course, you know, just uh, you tend to have a meal at least in the, probably at the dinner with uh, your entire family. So, you know, just with your children and uh, with your with your wife or with your husband. And, and that's very important for them. And they have this tradition, which is really... Um, you know, just to also to prepare things together, you know, to cook together with their own mom or with, to cook together with their own grandmother, um, which is, I would say, maybe less common uh, in, in UK, where, you know, just have to have a, 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 um, probably a lunch. It's something common together as a family, something common at weekends, um, especially the Sunday roast, uh, which is quite, quite typical. You know, yes, usually on Sundays we all have a, a roast, uh, roasted chicken or, you know, just anyway, something that is uh, uh, based on meat, which is, uh, of, of course, you know, just very, very characteristic of the British uh, cuisine. And, uh, yeah, that's very important. So to learn all these things probably also tells you a lot about the people that live in the place. And then you can mingle probably a little bit better, won't you? Yeah, one of the first things I always do when I'm going to a new country is I just like to look up what what yeah. food should I eat? What are the must-have dishes that I have to have when I'm there? And I will try to seek them out, you know? A few years ago, before um, things got the way they are now, I had gone to Myanmar. And um, one of their dishes there is tea salad. They actually cook tea leaves, and they eat it like a salad. So you don't make it into a drink. It's what? it's cooked uh, and sort of steamed, and, and they eat it like a salad. And it was totally different. I'd never thought of you know, like of consuming a tea leaf like that before and it was so interesting you know it was really fascinating was something totally new one of these yes great, you can learn a lot dishes. Through, yeah. food also through wine yeah which is also part of the culture oh, yeah. of uh, you know just a uh, local you know just a place you visit and probably uh, you know through this kind of experience you can also get some you know acquaintances and meeting people that, that, that they can you know just give you um give you some more aspects of the local culture and yeah language as well whenever you're traveling people always want to share food with you there's nowhere on earth where people are like don't eat our food <laughs> exactly. you know you know because there are parts of culture that can be more private like you know maybe religion yeah, or true. something like that some some more spiritual things but food is not food is something that people will always want to share with you. And it is the easiest way to make new friends and, you know, meet new people, I think, in a different country because everyone is proud of their cuisine. I think every, yeah, every country I think on so. earth is I proud mean, of everyone their has their own national recipes. They are very fond of and uh, maybe some mm -hmm. dishes they are really uh, attached to since they are, they are, they are kids. So I think, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. um, and sharing is caring, you know, so it's also a way to care about oh, yeah. the other, the other person, uh, which is, uh, always good, uh, to experience. And uh, Italy, I would say is probably a very welcoming country, uh, for tourists. Uh, there are some differences, I have to say, between the north and the south, meaning that usually in the south people are even probably too welcoming with you which is can for example yeah can shock people that maybe are coming from i would say less um you know just maybe welcoming uh or maybe a little bit cold uh, uh you know just um, mm -hmm. um yeah traditions and customs for such for example scandinavian people are not considered to be so you know just uh, like the mediterranean ones so uh, i would say that maybe can be some shocking because they invite you if you if you meet a family they invite you to have a dinner or lunch with them even if you have never seen them in your life 
which is not happening so often here in the north instead where people are a little bit more reserved uh, which we have to say is quite typical of um, most of Britain particularly particularly if you are you know just uh, maybe experiencing uh, you know just um, life in big cities such as um, you know just London or uh, big towns in Manchester etc where you don't really have you know opportunity to connect to the community uh, the local community so even if you uh, maybe um you need to connect through a neighbor you need to connect through a peer at work or to a peer at, 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 at school uh, to get more into the local community which would be you know just a really good um maybe because you have also also other people of your nationality there which can you help you with the paperwork it can help you with you know just uh, some uh, um yes yeah, so maybe some hints on what to do what not to do for example, when I was, yeah. uh, you know, just in South Tyrol, I had, I had, um, a nice neighbor. She was German, by the way. She was there. So the funny thing is that she was German. She was just speaking German, but living in Italy and not speaking any word of Italian wow, because right. there, uh, German was the only one needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, interesting. interesting. And she was wow. explaining me how to do, where to go. Um, you know, just especially as you know, just to 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 do some of the paperwork uh, there. Um, it was really useful for me, and also some local customs. So, for example, why you know, just um, um, for example, the, the shops are really closing earlier there. Which are the, the normal tradition, um, you know, just uh, in, um, in in South Tyrol, um, and uh, where I could expect people to 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 know uh, English or to know Italian better, uh, you know, right. all these things so that where you're really living there. It can really help to have someone yeah. that is experienced, you know, and and try to find that expat community. I mean, I had friends here that I really relied on Good. that first year, especially, and that can help you mitigate some of that culture shock that you might experience if you kind of know what to expect you know or if you have someone that's able to explain things to you it can lessen that experience of culture shock which can be really unpleasant i mean i've had colleagues that have tried to come and, and work in thailand that have wanted to come for a year and just the cultural differences got too much for them and they ended up yeah leaving, i think you know, it's normal i think it's normal to have a cultural shock it's also a normal you know just uh especially if you you know just uh, maybe are uh, a really let's say stranded there because of a job uh you know and uh, you don't really have someone there maybe uh, you know just you know have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a friend that can help you yeah. so uh the, i would say that the uh, probably one of the most important thing to do in, immediately is to try to connect with someone even at uh, at a local pub or you know just uh, uh, through you know just a neighbor or, or someone that can help you to you know just get into the things there and uh, and, and also you know just to rely on them for for tips or for for suggestions on what to do where to go um, because it's really important to have someone uh, which can understand you and also maybe uh, that that can uh, you know help you if you think if you feel a little bit of um, sickness as well it can be a bit isolating and a bit alienating sometimes if you don't have that, you know, and, and homesickness is normal. And I think part of that culture shock comes from that missing the way things are done back home. And then it's normal. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to accept that things are going to be different and deal with it, you know, but it can be hard. It really can be. That's living abroad is great, but sometimes there yeah. are things that become frustrating. And Maybe all these things can make you appreciate more 
what you had at home. So, yeah. yes, I've met people who then have uh, been teaching here in Italy for a while and then went back home with another spirit. I mean, yes, they were enjoying the sunshine. They were enjoying, you know, just the, the Italian way of life, the beauty, the culture and everything. But then maybe they yeah. they really missed uh, some local traditions. Maybe they did the, the tea at 5 p.m., whatever. I mean, no, other little local things, the, the, the British humor, which is really totally different than the mm-hmm. Italian one. And uh, maybe some, some of these aspects that then they, they were more appreciating then when they were back home. It allows you to look at your own culture through a different lens, Absolutely. sort of as an outsider and more objectively, yeah. I think. I've experienced that with the US. Well, we've kind of touched on culture shock, but there's something I'm curious about, and that's reverse culture shock. Have you ever experienced any form of reverse culture shock after living in one place and then you go back to a place that was home before and then you find, well, you know, things are a little bit weird. Like when you have looked at your own country more objectively, and then you go back and there's maybe something that you liked from, for example, from Thailand and you go back to the U.S. And, and you think, wow, now that's kind of strange and it feels Odd. Have you ever experienced any reverse culture shock? When I was uh, probably one of the first, uh, uh, you know, just experience I had when I was at the, the primary school here uh, was that I had no mm-hmm. friends, and and uh, I know here what was typical it was totally different because here in, in Italy, you, unless you go to a, a private school, you don't really have to wear uniforms, which instead was quite common in mm. UK, you know. So uh, um, you know, boarding right. school, yeah. especially, and even even primary. Um, um, I was wearing uh, my my uniform, uh, the school one, and here is not that common. So um, you know, I, I was a little bit shocked to go um, into casual uh, clothing. Yeah, and right, another yeah. thing is that here really, um, <laughs> really keen on on, on fashion. So uh, also, you know, mm. just uh, there were kids who were really, you know, just having the latest brand because of their parents were wealthy and then they could afford that. And then, and then, you know, sometimes kids can be mean, you know, and then showing off a little bit what I have, what you don't have. You don't have that. I, I have these. But all in all was a little bit of the shock, I think, when I was very little, because I remember that clearly, you know, just asking my mom, why? Why should I wear a, a uniform? Why is not, you know, just hard? And, and then, yeah, and then I, of course, you know, just then I grew, growing up, I, I, I learned to appreciate that as a form also to, you know, just uh, probably be expre- more expressive in what you, uh, you know, just, uh, who you are, what you want to express with you, with the clothing you, you, you use and you, you appear, you know, every one of us probably had a dark color period, you know, where you were all wearing dark things because you, 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 you know, just, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe, uh, disappear a little. Or, you know, just, just express what was your dark humor. Maybe probably in the teenagers years, it's quite common for everyone of us, you know, and then maybe change into some colorful person, uh, who likes, you know, just bright colors then later on. So probably the, 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 the fact that here, no, your uniforms are, are, are compulsory, um, uh, as, as, um, made me, uh, you know, just also more appreciating the, the way of, of, uh, using, you know, just, uh, also the, the colors of clothing as in my character's expression, right. you know, how, how to express characters, um, and the 
of a person. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was one of the things. And then probably I have to say yes, more in a you know in a, when I was already you know just working, uh, coming from from for example um, uh, Brunico to to Verona, uh, which is in southern Veneto, very close to Venice, uh, where of course people just speak Italian. It was completely shocking because I didn't hear people speaking German, and and so I was so used to hear speaking speaking German that I seemed it seemed to be oh now I'm in Italy, but it was in Italy also before. So <laughs> that was a bit shocking as well, you know. So it's really changing your your the way you you think also, uh, because when you learn a language, you try to think in another language, and it's of course you know very difficult. But you know, just uh, to being exposed to 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 German sort of made me think somehow, you know, just probably in, in a different way, and then um, and then coming back to Italian. All in all, 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 you know, just, uh, uh, 24 hours a day was a little bit shocking. What, what, what are you experiences? Similarly, probably. Well, the language is a big one because when I'm in Thailand, even though I can understand some Thai, I have to work really hard to actually understand what people are saying. So, you know, I'm not able to really listen in on a conversation. As soon as I touch down at the airport in the U.S. and suddenly everyone okay. is speaking English, for the first like hour, it's like my brain is overwhelmed because it picks up every bit of English and it's understanding everything. And, um, you know, you kind of have to learn to start tuning it out again. And it's it makes you feel a little bit dizzy in that in that case, because I've gone a year maybe without having everyone around me speaking English like that. Absolutely. One thing I've really taken on in Thailand is uh, an attitude called it's called Maipenrai in Thailand. And it literally means like, don't worry about it. It's kind of like Hakuna Matata from The Lion King. It's just like, <laughs> go with the flow, yeah. accept things as they come. Um, you know, here in Thailand, I would say it's very much part of the Buddhist philosophy. Don't get upset about things that you can't control. And I think that's a great way to live. And I've really kind of adapted that a lot. Um, that's not part of the culture in the U.S. People in the U.S. get very anxious and very, you know, we expect everything to be on time. We expect everything to be done properly and rigidly. And so I've kind of learned to to be my Penrai here in Thailand a little bit. And I've, I'm appreciative of that. But when I go back to the U.S., I do have to adapt the other way as well. <laughs> go back to, to that way in order just to function, you know, in that society. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really, it's really, uh, probably interesting to, to, to acknowledge that, you know, I mean, you, you have experienced, uh, you know, just the both world and the both way of, of, uh, you know, just, uh, dealing with things, which is also part of here, you know, just the, the, um, you know, when you live in Britain, everything is really very, I would say, neat and polite and precise. Which is totally different in Italy. Um, unless you live in South Tyrol, where I have to say everything was more similar to Britain than, uh, you know, yeah, because having really. a German mindset also, uh, compelled them to sort of, you know, just uh, be uh, a little bit more, uh, ordered, more tidy, uh, and, and et cetera, when you, when you, especially when you are, you know, just uh, doing the paperwork and everything. And uh, here instead in Italy, I mean, uh, I mean, just so uh, you really have to, to know, um, I don't know, some saints, uh, <laughs> above in the sky to, to make things go right. You know, sometimes <laughs> because really, you, you really right. have, um, um, to, to rely on someone that knows someone else who can explain you what to do because things are not very clear. Uh, things can change. Uh, you know, just maybe you do something like a procedure in one place, which is totally different. And, uh, yeah, so, and then things, um, you know, people tend to be a little bit more 
I would say relaxed and uh, and probably you don't expect uh, you know just the people to be punctual here or to be, unless it's really business related but um yeah I would say that it's not like you know just in Spain where people tend to be very relaxed also the the timing the timings of for example having dinner or having lunch are totally different um, which you can experience similarly in the south of Italy where people tend to dine very late and also things to be probably also more relaxed in the terms of uh, how you uh, start your working day. Uh, I mean, uh, probably it's normal to go to work from nine to five, um, a normal, you know, just normal, normal way of working. And instead, there are places or companies where you work very hard, um, even un- until eight or nine uh, in the evening. Um, yeah, wow. uh, yeah. W- which is probably could yeah. be shocking for some people. Uh, you know, yeah, definitely. and uh, and and so you know, just to, to to see this difference because definitely in the north you can really experience that in Milan, in in Torino, and cities who are you know just a tendency to to really rely a lot on business. But if you go to the south, if you go to Rome, even to Rome, not really south of Italy, um, you can experience a totally different way. Yeah, that's also working of of taking the 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 day by day things, and and so that's part of the culture. And I think one of the suggestions is also to watch a local movie tell you a lot about the characteristic. For example, here there there is a, um in Italy there is a movie which is called Welcome to the South, story of someone coming from the north side that goes to to the south of Italy and have a complete culture shock. And it's very funny because there are a lot of of the, the things that that are actually uh, you know just happening and normally when you when you come from a uh, Milan or cities where you are used to be uh, very punctual and uh, tidy and things regularly, where instead in the south is really totally different. So also maybe watching some local movies could be could be interesting. Yeah, I think so. I've seen a few Thai movies at the cinema here. Uh, sometimes like yeah. with a field trip with yeah. school, we would go. And a lot of them are about history, Thai history. And a lot of them focus on the kings of, of the past. The monarchy is very important here. A very culturally significant institution, I guess you could say. And that's reflected in what movies are popular. Um, of course, that's not all of them, but a lot of them are his- historical dramas. Yeah, I-, I think you're right. I think we can learn a lot through film yes, as well. Movies and maybe, you know, just uh, some of them, of course, are famous uh, because they were, you know, just uh, maybe filmed by directors who are internationally acclaimed. But right. maybe also to 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 look at something, you know, just probably on, on, on you know, all, all the streaming platforms we, know, we well know, that are maybe some minor movies, but that can help you to understand the culture or the city because they are maybe filmed in the town you are going to live in. As a sort of, I would say, um, preparation, uh, you know, maybe something you can do also prior to going to another country. That could be, or read some books, uh, not trying to enter in the culture when you are still abroad. That could be also a good idea. You know, on that note, um, there's so many movies and TV series and things, for example, that take place in New York City. And I've actually only been to New York once, but the one time I went there, it was so fascinating walking around. It felt familiar, you know, because I'd, I'd seen it so often. And I'm not going to say I'm a New Yorker. Not at all. I've been there. I spent one week there in my entire life. But it was weirdly familiar because I had seen it in so many movies and films. And I kind of knew how things worked. And so, you know, of course, that's a famous example. It's a famous city. But, you know, I think that's a great a great way of trying to learn about wherever you're going as well. You're absolutely right. 
Yeah, it's definitely part of the, uh, you know, preparation you could do at home, you know, to investigate a little bit about, you know, typical movies of the town you're going to live, or at least of the main, you know, just probably if you're going to live in a small town, maybe the main city, which is very close to where you're going to live, and uh, maybe some, some, some books. You know, just hosts who have been traveling, uh, maybe some also traveling guides could be even useful to, you know, just uh, have uh, at least uh, some ideas of where you're going to live, uh, especially because maybe some of the more international guides are written by expat people as well, you know, so that people that were visiting countries as expats. I love expat literature. It's really interesting. It's, it's just a different perspective. Yeah, so, so gathering some titles from, from the web, of course, you know, just you can really Google and find some, some local books, uh, uh, were you know just written locally, or oh, they were talking about the people living in a place, uh, or oh, how's life there. And uh, one other thing I suggest, of course, you know, being a journalist is to read the newspapers as soon as you can, as soon as you can grasp some of the meaning uh, of the local language. Is trying to get at least maybe you know just maybe sometimes in the in the in the in the weekend where you can find maybe some more e- e- uh, kind of easier readings to do. You know, just in the local uh, in newspaper papers having um you know just a special publication dedicated to that the city or whatever uh, you can get really some good info from that as well you made a really good point earlier as well the fact that that's not just for another country that's even just for a different area you know there's yeah. no country is entirely monolithic yeah. you know just the examples you've given of just various different parts of italy that are so different same in the u.s yeah. of course i mean every state is its own little microcosm of culture um, same in Thailand. The, the south of Thailand is very different from the far north, for example, very different from Bangkok. So you also have to look at the area you're going to, specifically if you can, the region you're going to. Uh, maybe also, you know, just uh, trying to get, uh, you know, just probably more used to inform yourself about what's mm-hmm. happening while you live. This is probably something that maybe if you work as an expert because you have a contract and you are, you know, just staying in a country just for a while, maybe not that interested in, but um, that's part of your experience. It can really make your experience, you know, just, uh, um, you know, war wall. Uh, you know, especially if you have uh, the opportunity to again, you know, exp- you know, just really um, uh, use some of the information at your own, you know, disadvantage. Uh, maybe discovering places or discovering things to do uh, or meet other people. I know that there's always economic considerations and reasons that people can't. But I think that if anyone has the opportunity to live abroad, I think they should definitely accept it, even for a short time. You can learn so much. Uh, you can yeah. grow so much, you know, and it just gives you that great perspective and a new world view. Yeah, I, I have to say that coming, you know, just so from UK and then and, and living here in different parts, in different towns, just I've just lived in the north side of the country. I have to say that it's totally different experience and mm-hmm. widened my horizons a lot uh, the sure. way I think. And uh, uh, it's really part of the experience, uh, uh, really, you know, just with all the downsides you can have. But uh um, it makes you uh, probably a more complete person. Uh, and so to live abroad really widens your horizons and way you're thinking. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, cool. Thank you for joining our conversation today. And for our listeners, uh, we're going to be back next time with a different topic. Absolutely. Also to our listeners, uh, what did you guys think about this topic? If you have any comments about living abroad, uh, being an expat, culture shock, even stories or anecdotes you'd like to share, uh, send us an email. You can get in touch with us, English Speakeasy Podcast at gmail.com. We might just read and answer your questions in a future episode.
Fantastic. And finally, again, if you want to practice English conversations just like this one, you can visit langclub.live where you can join free discussion sessions hosted by certified English teachers like me. And then uh, where can people find your other work? Uh, yeah, when you can tune in to the BritishWhisper.com and you can see all the episodes that are uploaded and onto Spotify uh, or Apple Podcast. Uh, it's called British Whisper, so it's easy to find and you will learn a lot about what is going on in, in Britain and uh, beyond. Fantastic. All right. Well, we will see you guys back here for another conversation next week here at the English Speak Easy podcast. <laughs>